You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I kind of lost track myself. But being this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off, you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, Bunk? On tonight's episode of The Mitch and Rich Show, what show am I on again, Rich? <laughs> You record way too many, man. Way too I, many. I mean, I, I feel like all I do is record things. So, uh, But yes, we're on the Mitch and Rich show. We talk about movies and movie-adjacent items. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Anything sort of related to film sometimes, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is... this is uh, we, We're back after... It feels like we, we took a week off because uh, we did the Zack Snyder Justice League crossover episode, which uh, we... We recorded with the rest of those podcasts like the Sunday before our show came out, so we didn't record our own show, which then like felt like we took a week off, but we didn't. We actually had a show. Uh, any anything yeah. else you want to say about Justice League? Uh, now that it's just the two of us. Um. No, man. I feel like I I feel like I left it all out on the table, so to speak. Like. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I I I guess I guess the thing that's interesting is since we had that conversation uh, with all those other lovely people and lovely shows, um, there's been this like weird thing that uh, people have kind of started being like, oh well, let's go do a four hour cut of the Avengers, and I'm like, I don't think you really want that. Like that movie wasn't a movie that was made that long and then like cut down. You know what I mean? Like. I don't know. Some, I, th- I think that movie's fine as is. I, I don't think it needs to be four hours. I think what you need is the right balance of a director's uh, image of the movie and then what someone needs to come in and be like, we need an editor to take some of this out. Like, We need to push directors to be like, hey, not all of this is important. <laughs> Well, and and not only that, right? Like, I think a movie needs to be as long as the story needs it to be, right? And yeah. and that's true regardless of whether you have like, uh, you know, whether that's the director or the editor. But you know, the interesting dynamic behind that, though, right? Is and and I've said this a lot, and I still stand by this. You know, hiring people and then letting them do their job, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you just give. 100% creative control over to the editor and just be like, okay, well, I wash my hands of it. No, but of course not. I also do think that you need to rely on them because that is their specialty. They have spent their career, you know, building those skill sets and really developing and honing in on, on mastering that craft. And so, you know, they do offer a lot of great advice and they should have a better idea. Well, maybe not a better idea, but in some instances you would think that they should have a better idea of overall pacing than the director, right? Yeah. Uh, because again, that's their specialty, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah I, I, yeah, I think a movie needs to be as long as a movie needs to be. No more, no less. Good way of putting it. Uh, so for today, we will get into some movie news, uh, things that we've, we've, we found interesting that happened throughout the week. And then we are going to do a review or discussion about the Oscar-nominated movie Nomadland, which can be found on Hulu right now. So, Richard, 
interesting thing. I know that you're a big fan of the Rocky franchise. Uh, I believe you are, right? Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, Earlier this week, uh, Sylvester Stallone went and put on his Instagram uh, some sheets of paper that he's been writing. He says, this may be the strangest posting yet. I started out this morning by writing a treatment for a Rocky prequel for streaming. Ideally, 10 episodes for a few seasons uh, to get really or to, to really get to the heart of the characters in their younger years. Here is a small portion of how my creative writing process starts. Hope it ha- hope it happens. And then I need I needed to clear my head. So I went fishing. Talk about extremes. Keep punching my friends. Uh, I mean, I don't think he means to, for you to punch your friends or his friends. Just he's saying, keep punching my friends. Uh, <laughs> just so, saying, keep fighting. Keep moving forward. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So it, on the paper, it says title page treatment for Rocky prequel series written by Sylvester Stallone. Imagine a time machine that will simply transport it, us back to the origin of Rocky, a cinematic world brimming with character that ha- characters that have been beloved by people around the world for nearly five decades. I'm sorry, I'm trying to read his handwriting, I, and I'm not the best, best at reading. Uh, <laughs> climbing aboard <laughs> that time machine that will take us to the most transformative generation in modern history, the 60s. All caps, the moon landing, the sexual revolution, the new left, hippie movement, the Cold War, the civil rights movement. So if he plans on putting all those things into this treatment, that's going to be interesting. Now, uh, it's been a long time since I've watched the original Rocky. Is there a story there that happens before the start of that movie? Uh, well, I, I think the uh, the most direct, annoying, obvious answer to that is yes, because he's writing it. <laughs> um <laughs> Does it feel that way, though? I mean, I guess, right? I I guess, you know, there's some pretty established relationships between, like, Rocky and Mickey. um, A little bit between, like, Adrian and and Polly. You know, obviously, there there is a story that I would say predates that. And, And, yeah, I guess to be fair, that's true of all stories, though. There's generally a backstory, but... Um, you know, usually with film, they say, get there late, get out early, right? Which is my advice whenever going to a party as well, because I'm massively uh, introverted and antisocial. <laughs> uh, but, you know, so I guess the the, the, the question that I, I have is not so much, is there a story before Rocky, but rather, is there a good enough story that we would be interested in, in watching that takes place before rocky right is there is there a story worthy enough to be told that happens before rocky right right but then i'm like well he's made like what five or six rocky movies and now three creed movies or there's going to be three creed films right yeah i mean obviously there is there was a story that needed to be told that came out of the rocky movies but i mean and once again i haven't watched rocky in a very long time so uh, I would assume that like, because isn't at the beginning of that when he's he's work he's not a boxer he's working for like organized crime, uh, 
breaking legs. Isn't that what Mickey says? He wanted to be a leg breaker instead or something? Yeah. So, I mean, like, he, you know, he's obviously going around doing a lot of uh, odds and ends types of jobs and things like that to to make money. But he, he was doing fighting. He just wasn't at that level because that's the whole massive underdog thing between him and Creed and why it's an exhibition and not like an actual shot for the title um, was because he just didn't have, you know, the the resume, the boxing resume to do that. Um, but it, you know, it's kind of like all the shenanigans we've seen come forth nowadays with like, you know, uh, Conor McGregor fighting Mayweather and like supposedly Jake or Logan Paul, one of those people is going to fight Mayweather as well. And it's like, why? Like that's completely ridiculous. And I, I'm not, I don't want to pay money to see that, but because, but because the fighting has just become a spectacle and people just want to see other people hit each other. Like I trust me, I like actual boxing, like professional boxing, as you like to put it, the sweet science. It's just people are animals now and they just want to see other people get hurt. Well, I, I think to also, you know, play the devil's advocate to that a little bit. I think boxing in and of itself too has really just slowed down in the sense of like a a fan base you know what i mean like it's not nearly um i don't know prestigious for the lack of a better word as it as it once was i mean there used to be like I, i mean i remember growing up there was just so much you know buzz and anticipation about like these fights that were going on these matches and things and uh you know it kind of feels like a lot of that's really been replaced with mixed martial arts and you know i i guess some of that is maybe because of the brutality because obviously it 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 is a it has the potential to be a more graphic sport than boxing um i mean i've seen some really bad matches with with boxing too though so you know anything can happen in, in a fight but uh yeah i mean perhaps you're you're right you know I mean, I, I honestly don't see it being too far from when we finally become like a mix between Mortal Kombat and, and Running Man. Like, <laughs> it's just going to be people fighting to the death on television for ratings and, and sponsorships. So, well, in some ways, wouldn't that be a return? I mean, like, that's I mean, kind of like what the gladiators and Coliseum were all about. They just didn't have smartphones and media coverage of that, you know? You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And we will probably be returning to that. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Maybe it is. Maybe it will get I mean, all the aggression out of some people. I doubt I it. Mean, I mean, I, I hope not. I, <laughs> I hope we don't return to that. I mean, as much as I love uh, artificial violence, um, I, I do not like real world violence at all. I, I just, I have no stomach for it. I don't even like watching people get hurt in like YouTube videos and things like that. Yeah, neither do I. I I, I don't care for real real violence either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, artificial though, let's go. I mean, you want to get you know quentin tarantino crazy i'm all about it you know i will sit there and watch john wick take out a whole room like nobody's business and and be okay with it yeah exactly exactly (laughs) all right talking about other bad ideas are you familiar with the story of theranos and elizabeth holmes yes Yes, i am (laughs) a nanotube that's right that's right uh, there was a, uh, what was it? It was on, I believe HBO. The documentary was on HBO mm-hmm. when it came out. Um, 
what was it? What was that called? Was it called the pill? That's a good question. I don't remember exactly what it was called, but there was a documentary that came out, I want to say like two years ago, about uh, this this lady who had started uh, her own company. It was supposed to be a medical tech company and had some extreme claims of what the company was going to be able to do. She called it Theranos. And the idea was that like you could take a pill and it would instantly diagnose whatever problems you had and uh, like map your genome and say oh you're gonna have this kind of issues and stuff like that well like everybody was like yeah that sounds like a great idea let's 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 fund it and she but she had absolutely no idea how to make something like that because it's not really possible um so i think it oh sorry i think it was called the inventor the inventor that's right that's what it was called yeah um so uh that was going to be made into a movie at least the, the whole story is going to be adapted into a movie or a series, and and that was going to be played by Kate McKinnon of SNL fame. Uh, she dropped out, uh, I believe, back in February, and now Amanda Seyfried is going to play the role. Uh, hmm. What do you think of this story being turned into a series? Well, I, I mean, so I watched the... Uh, I, th- I believe the docu- documentary came out... Um, a year or two ago it wasn't this year i don't think no it was two years at but, least two um, years ago right yeah it feels like it, it came out a while ago but i i actually just recently watched it like maybe um ah, man maybe like a week ago maybe a week or two ago and you know it's 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 really terrifying the story itself because uh this lady you know she was like oh well uh you know i'm gonna create this machine that you know will do this uh finger prick that will produce enough blood into these tiny nanotubes that we can oh, then go right, back yeah. and do uh, all of these these tests that used to be done, you know, um, I don't know, whatever that's called, ve- venously, venously, um, pronouncing that horribly wrong, probably. Uh, and, you know, it's so fascinating, though, because she got all of these people to buy into this without ever showing a working prototype. Um, and I mean like something to the tune of like half a billion dollars or something. I mean, like an insane amount of money uh, and, and just uh, unfathomable how kind of, and and they, they give out test results that were completely inaccurate. I mean, like horrible, disgusting margin margins of inaccuracy in the testing. And they would just go with it and tell the, the, you know, the patient, the, the, the prognosis or, or the results without it being anywhere near accurate. Um, I will say though, like the documentary, it's a it, you know it's a very fascinating story, even though it's terrifying. So I think, you know, turning it into a film, it makes sense because there is enough, uh, obviously, real world drama there that you could even probably expand it and and have liberties with it and make it even more uh, crazy. But um, uh, yeah, Amanda Seyfried is a very interesting choice. I feel like she does kind of have a similar appearance to um uh what's her name elizabeth something holmes Uh, holmes Holmes. yeah elizabeth holmes yeah so you know and i I don't know it's really kind of like this uh, cautionary tale just about silicon valley in general because it 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 almost kind of paints this picture that um this is just a normal trend in silicon valley to you know say that you're going to do something and then just fake it until it works you know and uh when you get into the medical 
device world or the medical world in general, that's a horrible one to be like, well, we're just going to make stuff up until we can maybe get it to work. Yeah. Like, that's not the one that you want to be like, well, eventually it'll work and we'll just keep lying until it does. Like, yeah, that's that's terrifying. Yeah, that's like... um uh what's the the canning group you know for movies uh they would they never really had a product they always kind of just got people to invest in a movie that wasn't anywhere near being written or anything like that it, but, but i mean that's yes that was you know you're playing juggling around with people's livelihoods but this is medical technology you could be juggling around with people's lives like that's very dangerous Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I guess, you know, to kind of jump back a little bit to your question and answer it a little bit more directly, I think from a story standpoint, it'd be an interesting movie to take some liberties with. But I hope that if they do that, I really hope that this uh, lady doesn't get any sort of revenue from this because, you know, the fact that she did this, uh, I just don't think that, you know, I just don't think that she should be getting any sort of additional money or profits off of lying to people and so hurting people and things like that you know obviously I, I don't know anything about how contracts were signed or anything like that but this will be a movie that's based off in nbc news abc or i'm sorry, abc news abc radio podcast uh that was all about elizabeth holmes and the company so i would assume that she doesn't have any connection other than her name yeah, and, and, and I mean, I guess if that's the case and, like, you know, she's not going to directly make any sort of profit off of this, um, I guess that's a little bit more okay. But you do, I guess, run the risk of, like, kind of... Um, well, keeping her name in, 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 in the culture, like, keeping her name relevant is also dangerous. I, I understand what you're saying, because look at how many people yeah. get the second chance just because their name is recognizable now. Like, and who knows if because of this that someone else is like oh well let's see if we can do something like like think of uh, uh the fire festival right fire festival yes. was a thing that happened and it, it essentially stole a lot of money from a lot of people and hurt a whole economy of a, of an island and then uh it was supposed to be all for a app that was called fire well that went away and it came back as cameo. Like people are still the idea of the original idea of fire. The fire app is now called cameo app and it's, it does well. Wow. Yeah. That's, I didn't even know that part of it. That's absolutely crazy. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, obviously I, I, you know, I would hope that people can change and, and in and of itself, I, I guess giving people, and I don't think you're saying that, that this is a bad thing per se, but um, you know, I, I think, Sometimes people do deserve second chances, but, you know, oh, man, it just, it, I don't know. It just makes you very leery, you know what I mean? Because you're mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. this is a very dangerous situation. You know, I mean, I guess, like, if her next thing was like, oh, I figured out how to improve microwaves and, you know, we can make food, you know, faster or more edible. I guess it's like, okay, well, that's worth taking a second shot at but it's like if your second attempt is like i'm gonna try to change the medical industry again i'm like eh, i don't know if i don't know if <laughs> that's a good i don't know maybe that's not a good thing you know i don't know it's a no. weird situation for sure yeah you might want to walk away from that one <laughs> yeah yeah okay so last story i wanted to talk about is san diego comic-con comic-con international they made a announcement last weekend 
about uh, San Diego Comic-Con. And uh, as we know, this year, it was once again not going to be an in-person event. It was going to be a completely virtual event, just like it was last year due to the pandemic. Well, because of the way that vaccinations are going out and the, the rate, I mean, some people seem to think that it's it's going at a, high, a good rate. Um, San Diego Comic-Con made an announcement that the weekend of Thanksgiving this year, they are going to have a special, it's what it's going to be called San Diego Comic-Con special edition, uh, three day in-person event at the San Diego, Com- uh, San Diego convention center. Uh, from a lot of, a lot of things that I've seen, people are, are pushing back against this. There's a lot of backlash on it. Uh, one being that Thanksgiving weekend, uh, is usually one of the most heavily traveled, uh, weekends in the country and that would put a lot of people in airports and crowding together and you know it's just not a good time to do that yet uh two this would be the first like major holiday gather family gathering that people will be able to go to after most lockdowns will be lifted so people would probably want to go see their families and not so much hang out at a convention center However, there are a lot of people that just either don't have family or don't like their family that they've been born into. So getting to meet their friends and uh, families that they've adapted to uh, at, a, at a convention could be a good thing. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on a three-day in-person event in San Diego? Uh, well, I mean, I'm just going to preface this by saying I'm, I'm not a, uh, expert. I am definitely not at all a medical person, uh, as we just established like 30 seconds ago. Um, all that being said, I kind of think it's a really stupid idea. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've obviously we've been to San Diego comic-con, um, and the last time I was there was uh, a very, very long time ago. And even then, it was unbelievably crowded. I mean, like, it, it was unfathomably crowded. Um, so much so that, it, like, people were joking about it being called, like, Line Simulator, you know, and that's all you did. Uh, and, and I remember, I mean, we had so many troubles and, and issues just even trying to get into any panel, uh, even the smaller ones that were, like, stuff you wouldn't really anticipate. Uh, that many people would be uh, there to see, you know? And so I get that it's kind of going to be potentially scaled down and it's over a shorter duration of time. Um, But yeah, I I mean, I totally agree with you. It, you know, I I don't know. It's really difficult. Again, I have to go based off of what I'm hearing and things like that. But even here in our state, in Arizona, um, our governor has recently lifted all of the, you know, regulations on, on, people that can be in uh or the capacity rather for people to be in restaurants and gyms and all that sort of stuff um we never had a statewide mask mandate we've had some city ones and stuff as far as i know and our vaccination rate from what i've heard is actually pretty good comparative to a lot of the other states and yet recently i believe we've started seeing about a 30 percent increase in cases mm-hmm. um so this isn't over it's certainly not gone away and i mean i guess sure if you you know feel comfortable enough to go then go ahead i mean that's obviously your choice to make but i just you know you kind of have to stop and wonder like 
Are you going to have to sign a waiver? Is there some legal liabilities that are now going to be applied towards uh, whoever puts on the San Diego Comic-Con? Because, you know, if you travel there and you get sick and die, I mean, is there legal ramifications from that from other people? I mean, again, these are all questions I, I guess I can't necessarily answer, but that's just where my mind starts going. And I just feel like if I was that large of a thing um i just feel like i would have some sort of responsibility to not put people in that situation and i know it's a bummer and i know it's hard because you know they also need people i guess there to make money but um yeah i, I don't know it's a really tricky situation i don't know that there's any truly great solutions i think there's definitely some things that they could do like going to like a virtual uh, virtual thing um I, yeah, I, I don't know. I personally just feel like it's a really bad idea. Um, you know, I think it'd be totally different if we had seen, uh, you know, all of our numbers be very different or, or consistently different. And how people responded to it from the beginning has not been particularly great either, at least here in the in the States. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I just I personally feel like it's a really, really horrible idea, you know. Yeah. Um it it does not seem like the best idea and and the unfortunate thing is that you can't just sit there and say well let's just wait till the numbers go down and unfortunately it's just not a thing that seems to want that people want to happen like they a lot, a lot of people were already against wearing masks people were against staying away staying 6 feet away from other people uh, not having big gatherings in the first place so everything became ended up becoming a, a spreader event because they go back and they spread it to people in their family or other groups and stuff like that. Uh, so numbers just weren't going down. Are, 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 I mean, not significantly. And it is definitely hurting for artists, like indie artists, mm-hmm. to not have these conventions. I, I do a lot of interviews for uh, one of the other podcasts on the network uh, and and you know, talking about conventions and how it was a big deal for them, not just for selling their wares or, or getting their art or stories out there, but to, for networking. Like it's a big part of the, uh, uh, game, so to speak, just to make it in the industry. So it's, it's, it's definitely difficult for them, but I, I'm positive. They don't want to get sick or get any of their family sick or get someone else sick. So, it, I see both sides. It's just yeah. unfortunate that I don't think that this is what you, it, it, I don't think it's the best idea. However, get to the end of, you know, July and maybe the numbers have, have gone all the way down, like significantly. I, I don't know as more people get vaccinated because like, just like you, I am not a medical expert. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, and and that's the biggest thing, you know, and, and I mean, like, obviously, you know, there's so many kind of like inconsistencies and things with the numbers as well, because it is a new virus and, you know, we still don't even fully understand it. And, you know, there's all these different variants and mutations. And, you know, we also don't know exactly how long the vaccine even grants you, uh, you know, immunity and things. So there's there's definitely a lot of unknown variables. And, and you're right. And it, it is a, a double-edged sword and a, and a strong catch-22 because, you know, you certainly don't want to see people that need this for their livelihood, you know, struggle and have to go without and, you know, all that sorts of stuff too. I mean, that's not good either. And then on top of it, you know, 
you're also running into just pandemic fatigue, you know, from people that that were doing all of these things and, you know, they've been doing it for a year and it, it, it does take a toll on you as well. So, I mean, like, I could definitely understand all of the different scenarios to it, but, you know, I, again, I don't know that there is a perfect solution, uh, but that weekend in particular does seem like a really weird awkward weekend to be doing it because you're right i mean i have to imagine that tremendous amounts of people are traveling during that time a lot of people are probably getting together and meeting with people they typically don't because it is the holidays and yeah i i don't know i could see it again it's tough it's really tough um yeah yeah uh like according to what they they put out with their announcement is that it was The only weekend that was really available for San Diego, the San Diego Convention Center. Interesting. Yeah. So, don't know what other conventions are going on at that time. That that was the weekend that was available, but that's where they are. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't either. I mean, I guess that kind of does bring up an interesting question of, of what you're saying i mean like how many other conventions or you know events yeah that's a, yeah. yeah i mean that's seems very i mean i don't know i, I guess maybe everyone kind of had the same idea right like everyone's like oh well by then you know because of all the vaccination stuff the numbers should be way in a controllable area so everyone's maybe trying to cram into you know october november december time period to make up for all the lost uh, time and revenue and things like that so maybe that's the issue and and I, I, but I also have to assume that any other convention that is there doesn't get as much people attending as San Diego Comic Con does, which is like usually, I think in like the two hundred thousand mark, mm-hmm. like a day. So like that's, it, it. It's definitely a different animal altogether. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you know, again, I, I, I hope that. Um, I hope the numbers start coming down drastically between now and then. I hope, you know, that if people do go there, they they take other people's health and well-being very seriously. And, you know, they try to follow all of the safety protocols, uh, you know, as the best that they can. And, uh, you know, if it does go forward, I just hope that it goes well and that, that everyone's, you know, that nothing catastrophic or tragic happens because of that. I mean, I think that's the best that you could hope for. Yeah. Uh, okay. Is there before we get to talking about the movies? There have you watched anything lately that you'd like to mention? Oh man, um, I don't know. I've been watching just a ton of documentaries lately. Um, yeah, it's it's. I don't know. I think HBO has just a, a ton of different documentaries, and I I don't even remember all their names of them now. But I watched one um, that was about the. Uh, it was about like the competitive tickling. Oh, it, it, it it's very weird. Um, Is it, was it was it called Tickle King? I think so. I don't know that that one was on um, HBO, but I believe it was called Tickle King. And uh, this is really fascinating because it's kind of about this like reporter who I. I think it's like a reporter out of uh, New Zealand. Um, and he does like a podcast. Oh, tickled. Um, 
Is that what it is? It's just called Tickled, yeah. Oh, oh, okay. It's just called Tickled. So yeah, it's it's this like reporter um, who he's from like New Zealand, and I I guess this was a, a good while back. It's not like super recent, but um, he's like from New Zealand, and he kind of like is looking for his next story, and he comes across this like competitive, uh, you know, or this like it's like a job posting. Um, or an ad for like people to come and, and be paid to participate in these like competitive tickling events. But it just, I, it just gets so weird and goes down this crazy rabbit hole into like this whole other thing. And uh, this is really fascinating, but uh, the, the guy, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. David uh, Ferrier. That sounds right. Yeah. He does a, um, he does a podcast with Dax Shepard that's all about kind of like talking about conspiracy theories and stuff. And that's kind of where I first uh, heard about him. And I and I saw that he had this documentary, so I watched it. It's, it's one of those things where you're watching it and it almost feels like a mockumentary. Like you're just constantly sitting there being like, this cannot be true. Like this cannot be actually happening like all the things that happened to him and and like his the rest of the people that are working on this documentary and stuff you're just like there's no way that this is uh legitimately happening but it did and it's so absolutely insanely wild huh uh, i i believe i watched tickled uh so yeah that, i remember watching that and it just, you just been on a uh uh documentary kick because you said you also yeah. watched um the inventor I did. I watched that. And then uh, HBO also has one on uh, QAnon. Um, I think it's called Q Into the Storm or something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's about, again, it's about this guy who's like trying to figure out who Q is. Um, And that one has been kind of like released episodically. So it's not just like a a feature length documentary, but it's more of like a documentary show. Uh, But again, it starts off one way and then it just gets completely uh, more and more and more and more absurd and just really uh draws you into the whole thing and and kind of all the the dark web stuff with like uh 2chan 4chan 8chan reddit all that sort of stuff is kind of just giving you like uh some insight and history into kind of those things and how they started and uh yeah it's just wild like it's just so fascinating you know it's like just weird how all of this stuff is stranger than fiction, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of great documentaries out there right now. Uh, I mean, the only thing that I kind of w- would like to talk about, or I don't know if we really need to talk about it. I'm sure people are already watching it. Uh, Invincible on Amazon Prime. Uh, it's an animated series. How is that? It's an adult I've, I've animated series. Much. It's uh, It's really good. Like, I really enjoy it. Um, I know right now the whole superhero like taking down superhero tropes and and examining superheroes and stuff is like is, is a real big thing you can get it with the boys you can get it with uh watchmen you can get it with uh i feel like there's another show oh, doom patrol but like invincible is just another series that really takes a hard look at what it is you like about comic book stories um i really tell people that if they haven't seen it you have to watch the whole first episode like just get to the end of the first episode and then you'll know whether or not this is a show for you like if it's if it's a thing for you 
Uh, if you don't know the story of Invincible, it is about a uh, young man, a boy, who is half of his father is an alien. Essentially, his father is uh, Superman. Uh, he is a superhero character by the name of Omni Man. He's from another planet. He came to Earth. He fell in love with a Earthling woman. Uh, they had a kid. The kid's name is is Mark Grayson. And then, like on his not his birthday, but like when he became when he was like fifteen or sixteen or something like that, he finally get, develops his superpowers. And uh, it's all about him learning to be a superhero uh, and and what that world is all about. And it's just it's it's it. The original comic book was created by Robert Kirkman, who created The Walking Dead and other properties. Uh, but it's just it's a really good series. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. They're up to four episodes because they dropped the first three uh, the weekend it came out, and then they they're doing one episode a week after that. So uh, yeah, if you have a chance, go and, and it's it's full of pe- like big stars as the voice actors. So. The main character of Mark Grayson is done by is voiced by Steven Yoon from The Walking Dead. Uh, J.K. Simmons is the voice of Omni Man. Sandra Oh is the voice of uh, oh I can't remember what her name is, but it's it's Mark's mother and Omni Man's wife. Um, you also have Gillian Jacobs, Seth Rogen. Um, <laughs> Oh, uh, Jason Manzukis, Zachary Quinto. Like, it's a lot of big names that you'll recognize. You know what's what's first off? Congratulations to Stephen Yoon because he's having an amazing year uh, from the sounds of it. With yes, this and his, Minari his was amazing. Show. Yeah, um, or at least that's what I heard. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet, uh, but I've I've heard that as well. And obviously, it's it's nominated. But it's it's funny because you said Invincible, and I was like, oh, I think this is based off of a comic. But I wasn't thinking the Robert Kirkman one. I was actually thinking the Mark Miller or Mark Millar one called Nemesis. That's yes. what I thought. Um, but that's a totally different, uh, totally different thing. Unfortunately, yes, or not unfortunately, but that would also be cool if someone did that as an animated series. So Amazon or anyone, if you're listening. Well, you know, it, it he has that whole package deal with Netflix, so Netflix needs to get on making that into either animated or live action. Nemesis was an incredible book. I only read the first run, but it was so cool. Uh, they do need to get on making that movie uh, or series. That actually would be really cool as as live action. That would that would be pretty fantastic. I mean, I would watch either. I'm not I, like I have no issues with animation either. I love animation, but. Uh, that would be crazy to see that go down in live action. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Let's get into talking about Nomadland. Uh, starring Francis McDormand as your protagonist, Fern. Uh, and pretty much she's the only like recognizable actor other than one other, one other person, uh, David Strahan. I, I never know how to say his last name, but... And if you don't know his name, especially since I can't pronounce it properly, uh, you will recognize him from things that you've seen him in. Uh, Good Night and Good Luck is probably the biggest one that you'd recognize him from. Uh, uh, Lincoln. He's also in The Expanse. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a very well-known actor and and very good. Um, This movie is directed by Chloe Zhao. Uh, she will. She previously directed the writer, which I never saw, but I heard is is really good. And she is going to be. She is directed, and the movie will be coming out later this year. Is the externals? Or I'm sorry, the Eternals, 
for the MCU. Oh, wow. That's incredible. Yeah. So uh, this movie is based off of a nonfiction book, I believe by this, it's called the same name. Yeah. Nomadland by Jessica Bruder. Uh, and this is, did I say Nomad or Nomad? It's Nomad. Uh, nomad. But yeah, I, I, I don't, I, it sounded right to me, but I was also knew the title. So, <laughs> uh, and it, it's all about, uh, Francis McDermott's character, um, Fern, as she travels around the country, uh, moving from job to job, living in her van after the city that she, uh, lived in empire nevada which was a company town uh went under literally went under because the gypsum mine like closed and the company closed and all the houses that were owned by them like they told them they had like four months to get to get their stuff together and get out so uh how did you feel about this movie well so i mean first off i i i went into this not knowing any of that i didn't know really anything about this movie i hadn't even i don't even think i'd seen the trailer or maybe i did see the trailer but i really didn't know much about it and uh, this this what i watched was i guess 1000 percent not what i was expecting oh um yeah and i guess um i i guess i was expecting something more along the lines of like eat pray love in the sense of like mood and tonality like i was expecting it to kind of be this journey that i don't want to say it's not an enlightening journey for her because i think it is but i was i guess i was expecting it to progressively get more and more a beat and it just never does i mean it's very uh dramatic and very somber uh from beginning to end yeah uh this is not a feel-good movie this is very much a slice of life one year in the life of this character as she struggles and learns and moves and maybe reflects on her life i don't feel like the character reflects enough on her life uh i don't really feel like there's any story here uh yes we under we get bits of who she is and where she came from and why she is living the way she is living now. But I guess to me, it feels like a character study, but not really character development, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah, I mean, you don't have to agree with me, but you understand what I'm saying. No, no, no. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I I do. And, and I could totally see that. And I think, I think to be fair, I do think most people would agree with you. I, I like, and I'm not saying I don't agree with you because I, I like I do agree with you. Like I was, was this is a very strange movie, and I and I I hate using this because I feel like it's so overused, uh, just in in mar- like cinematic marketing and and well in marketing in general. But this really does kind of feel like a movie I've never seen before. Oh, like just the 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 way that it's it's filmed is is kind of interesting. Um, in so I don't know. It's it's very weird because I say that, but there's caveats to everything that I'm saying, right? Um, but like, it's it feels more of like a voyeuristic snapshot as opposed to like a character study. Okay. Like it just feels like if you were actually looking at a year and a few months in someone's actual life. 
you know, because in our own lives, like, you know, we obviously have development and grow and do all of that, but obviously there's certain years that maybe we, we grow more. Uh, there's probably some years where we digress and, and, you know, have regressions and things like that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, there was moments in this movie where I was borderline like, okay, I'm, I'm, a, am I bored? But then it's like so emotionally uh, draining. Uh, I don't know. It's just, it, 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 I felt very weird watching this movie. I, I get that. I, I completely understand. Like, I feel like there is points when you were supposed to. F- I don't. I don't know if you're supposed to, but you're. I feel like you're supposed to root for Fern in certain circumstances, but then like other circumstances, it's like, well, she's doing this to herself, but then she's not really struggling. She is making her way, uh, and she's living her life the way that she wants to live it. So that's good. Obviously, there's a lot of things there that the character of Fern needs to work out. She uh, is still, and not that that's a, a bad thing. She is she is mourning the death of her husband. Like, uh, obviously, it, it, and it also bears to mind that this movie takes place in 2012, because uh, the 2008 uh, housing market is a big part of. Uh, crash is a big part of the storyline and, and, and it's uh it's it's an idea of where everybody is as a collective economic economically uh in this movie um and and she just i don't know like there's the part where like it's uh, well yeah obviously if you've made it to this part you should know that you need to there's going to be spoilers if you don't uh if you haven't watched the movie yet uh, there's the part where her sister like offers her a place to stay and uh-huh. she literally like, she's like, I can't, I can't live here. Like I can't be on that bed cause my bed in the, in the camper is, or, or in the van, I'm sorry, is mine. Like even, even if you notice the way that she's sleeping in the bed, she has to sleep with her like almost to her knees up to her chest because there's just not enough room to stretch out. It seems like, uh, which, which I thought was interesting because I watched this movie with Elizabeth and she's like, well, I don't understand the clothing that she's decided to to wear here. And most of this movie. And I said, I think the idea is she's like, cause it's over, it's too big. She, she crouches or she has bad posture. You know, she, she doesn't, she doesn't cut or she, the way she's cut her hair like is not flattering and stuff like that. And I said, well, I'm guessing the hair is about using less water to clean because water is a big economy or commodity at this point. Uh, clothing is whatever she can f- get her hands on and is hand-me-downs or goodwill and stuff like that. Uh, and then the posture would be because she doesn't have room to stretch out in like, uh, yeah, she goes for walks and stuff, but like lives for most of her life in a van. It's just, not good for posture, I would assume. So I like the choices that Fred McDermott's making, making in, in this stuff, but I just, I never at one point feel like I'm in touch with the character. I am rooting for or rooting against or uh, have any emotional connection, if that makes sense. No, it, it it does, and 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 I agree with you, and that's why I say it really does feel like a movie that I've, I've kind of never experienced before. Because I, I, 
I, I agree with you uh, as well in the sense that th- there's so many times where it's like, I do kind of feel bad for the character, but then the character is like, no, like uh, this is the lifestyle that I want and I'm happy with this. And it's like, okay, so I can get behind that. But it's, it, it, yeah, I don't know. It definitely feels like, it feels like a foreign concept in some capacities, um, which I guess is a good thing, right? I mean, I guess it's a good thing that I don't know what it's like to have to live out of my van because my entire city evaporated overnight and my, you know, significant other died. Um, you know, and it's crazy to think that that's happened. And I mean, it's happened before because I mean, Detroit, Michigan, when the the auto industry collapsed, uh, was kind of the same thing. And I mean, I think there's still, uh, maybe I'm ignorant on this, but I think there's still massive parts of, of, uh, Detroit and, and so forth that are still just complete ghost towns for the lack of a better term and um well the city of empire is is a real city or a real thing like this was the real yeah right and that's what i mean you know i just i i obviously that's what i'm saying like i think it's good that we good for us that that we don't really have the direct ability to be like oh well i've been there before you know what i mean but like it's crazy to stop and think that so many people have. And, you know, I think that's another reason why part of the movie feels really jarring because it's like, it really is a snapshot of America and it's still, unfortunately, um, very pertinent and, and very social, uh, social relevancy, you know? And I think the one thing is, is like, you do kind of feel bad because you're like you know she's lost her loved one you know she's lost her entire her her house and her city and all of her friends and she's kind of been uh thrown into having to live in this van and she obviously does what every american is told to do which is just you know work harder and pick yourself up by the bootstraps and it's it almost feels like that is part of it is that there's this undeniable pride to fern that just won't allow herself to take any sort of kindness that feels like a handout um you know because like she goes to borrow money from her sister as well because her van breaks down but she's just like no 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 like i'm paying you back i'm paying you back like i'm not asking for a handout i don't want money you know and then there's like someone else that's like oh uh dave i think is his name david um, is like, you know, they have a guest house, you can stay here, but then she doesn't know how to live that life anymore. And I think some of that also comes from, from that, but I think some of it comes from that she really hasn't processed all of this trauma that's happened with like losing her husband and, you know, her job and, and her, her house and her city and her friends and all that sort of stuff. And I think we kind of see that, uh, I don't, again, I don't think it's necessarily done in a way that's completely um you know a bulletproof way but i think they kind of showcase when she goes back to empire uh which is toward the end of the movie and and it kind of comes full circle because the film starts with her putting all of like her house and her husband's uh possession hers and her husband's possessions inside of a, a storage locker and then she kind of starts embarking on on living out of her van and stuff um and then towards the end of the film, you know, after she talks to Bob, uh, she goes back and, you know, she kind of gives away all of their possessions, goes back to their house, 
and you know kind of like walks out and just walks off right and so i i guess in some ways that's supposed to be potentially symbolic of her acceptance i don't think it's closure but i think it's her acceptance of those events happening and her commitment to just keep moving forward Mm -hmm. you know um the other thing with that that i want to talk about because i think this is and and i don't know if you felt this way i guess that's why i want to bring it up but uh, it also feels really weird because but besides francis mcdormand and um Oh my gosh. Um, David, who also his name is Dave in the movie. That's what was throwing me for loop. Right. Um, Well, that's the funny thing is that most of the actors in this are not actors. They're real people and they go by their real names in the movie. Okay. And that's exactly, that was the statement that I was going to make. I was like, it's so weird because from that opening moment when she's putting her stuff in the storage locker, I was like, either that guy is a really bad actor or or he's really great like i I was really back and forth because i was like it just feels so um it it felt so human like it didn't feel overly drama you know dramatized or whatever dramatized i don't know i can't talk (laughs) today um and as you progress through the movie, there's all these other characters that she's interacting with. And I just kept struggling back and forth with that. I was like, are these not actors or are they just actors that are not really that great because this is like more of an independent movie? But then there's parts of it that look like a really highly produced film. But then there's parts where it does feel like it's a more of an independent like it was just this kind of weird enigmatic back and forth as i was watching all of this but it makes sense now that you're saying that but the funny and the funny thing i felt like when i was watching the movie is that yes a lot of the the actors uh who i come to find out are real people like they're not acting but yet they are acting and i feel like they're doing much better than a lot of people who consider themselves actors like people that get roles in these uh, mid-level movies that mm-hmm. I, I really feel like uh, yeah they they definitely have this like not polished feel but mm-hmm. they are are and i don't know if i don't know if that they are are acting or they or someone just said like you know don't worry about the camera and just keep talking like especially like the bob swell uh part like the guy who's the quote-unquote leader of this like van life this no bad life uh, he's telling that story about his son and it, it, I mean, which more than likely is real, but most people, yeah. you get them in front of a camera and they kind of just either start hamming it up or they don't know how to act or, or like can't tell a story properly. And the way that he tells the story, it works. It, it really, I really feel like these are, are these people are, are doing a great job in front of the camera, I guess is the best way I can, I can put it. Um, yeah. And, and and that's what I mean. Like I wasn't. I'm not trying to like say that in a in a derogatory no, way. No, no, no. I didn't think you were. Feels if and again, that's why I keep going back to like this. Feels like a movie I've I've never watched before, or like a type of movie, or or however you want to say it. It feels like something you've never seen before because because of those things. Because I was constantly going back and forth where I was like, is this just like bad acting but then i'm like what's well, not really it doesn't even feel like acting it just feels like this raw organic conversation and it almost makes you feel uneasy like that you're 
this fly on this wall and you're invading these people's privacy. Like it really kind of made me feel uncomfortable. Speaking of acting, I really felt like, uh, like Francis McDormand is doing a, doing this Fern character throughout this whole movie until the part where she recites, uh, Shakespeare that, which was supposed to be a part of her wedding vows. And I was like, nope, that's Francis McDormand coming in, coming out right there. Like she is acting the hell out of just reciting this poem. And I was like, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Like, I understand that she's a phenomenal actor, but like, this seems like it shouldn't be the part that Fern is doing. You know what I mean? Like it, she's not, she's reciting it in, with such gravitas that I really, do, I don't feel like that's how Fern would re, re, be reciting it. Well, yeah. And, and again, that's what I mean. There's like this kind of like hidden duality to everything with inside of this movie. And, you know, it, it kind of makes me wonder. It's like, okay, well, yes, I do, I do feel with, it, agree with you. It feels out of character, but then I'm like, was this her character before the fern that we're getting to experience? Like when she was in empire, things were well, and she was with Bo, her husband might that have been who she actually was. And so, but again, yeah, it's it. And and then when you kind of like put that up against all of the other kind of raw and organic uh, performances from these other people who are not professional actors, um, it yeah, that part does kind of stick out a lot more uh, uh, in in a sore thummy kind of manner. You know what I mean? Like it kind of almost breaks the immersion that I had watching it because you're like, oh yeah, that's that is that moment where you're reminded, oh this this is Frances McDermott and this is you know her uh, performing. You know, because I really kind of lost track of that throughout the rest of the movie. So there was one character that I really want to talk about before we move on to something else uh, is the young man she gives the lighter to that asked for a cigarette outside of Derek. Was it, was his name Derek? Yes. Okay. Um, I, 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 the cowboy look like literally from the 19 or the 1850s, like 1880s or whatever. Like, is that just a way of living completely self-sufficient it just seemed very out of place. It just seemed like like someone went and grabbed some clothes from a uh, uh, Western shoot, movie shoot, and like, hey, here, you put this on. Like, <laughs> to me, it seemed weird. It does, you know, but I think a lot of that goes back to kind of like what, you know, you were talking about even uh, with the other wardrobe. You know what I mean? Like, I feel... Like, you know, obviously these people are, are kind of living, uh, what do they say? She, 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 she says, I'm not homeless, I'm houseless. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, a lot of these people that are living houseless, uh, because there is this kind of perception in the film that all of these characters that you meet that, that are uh, on the road are, are on the road by choice and not simply because they they 100% have to be, right? Like, it seems like all of them have these other options, including Derek, because, you know, she asked him about his parents and his girlfriend and stuff like that, and it, it, it does make you kind of feel like there's other alternatives for him, like, or, or there's somewhere else for him to be, but he's making this choice, and I, I would just imagine that if you, you know, are living that lifestyle, you probably are going to be relatively limited in in what 
you know, material goods would be accessible to you, especially with clothing and things like, you know, if you go to Goodwill or secondhand stores, I mean, like it's a lot more challenging to find the appropriate sizes of clothing and things like that. So maybe those were just items that, you know, he was limited to, or uh, maybe he did take a job on uh, somewhere as like a ranch hand and they had given him some clothes and that was kind of all he had. Cause he didn't even look like he had a van or a camper or anything no, when she, I- I honestly Sit think that down. he was homeless. He was just he was just traveling. Like he, yeah, you didn't have yeah, he didn't have a van. Um, and, and it's I don't so think he had a tent. <laughs> he didn't even so. have like a tent. It was just like him and like a rock pile under a tree with like a fire going. <laughs> and I just I don't I'm not commenting on like the clothes. I'm just commenting on the fact that it's like the suspenders with the buttons, like like out of an old western movie. Like it just seemed out of place but you're right it, there's all kinds of different story that could be there the reason why he's dressed that way uh let's talk about the filming of it um because one of the things that i thought was was a very disservice to it was that everything looked the same this is a movie that's supposed to take place on all these different areas of the country and yet mm-hmm. every place kind of, other than the fact that it's snowing up north like nothing looked different like there is a part there's a, a good chunk of this movie that's shot here in arizona uh quartzite mm-hmm. which is you know less than an hour away from where i'm sitting right now and mm-hmm. one of the things that arizona is known for is their sunsets you know like why didn't you have a scene where you see a great sunset or something just to depict that it's arizona maybe that's exactly what she's going for how the whole world kind of looks the same or not the whole world but the whole country looks the same way because everybody's going through the same type of problems um and and that could be it but i just really felt like there needed to be more distinction between each individual location that she was at yeah so i mean she's in um she's in nevada for part of it that's where empire was if i'm not mistaken correct um yeah she goes to court site she does go to that um she's in Cal- i think california at some point cause she's at that place with the gigantic trees mm-hmm, the um, yeah yeah, the Redwood Forest. And then she's in um, South Dakota, the Badlands. She's near Mount yeah. Rushmore. She's in Nebraska, or at least talks about going to Nebraska at one point. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think some of that is is kind of just what, you know, because there, there's that, and then I think there's like a line somewhere in there about uh, w- one of them is talking to her about traveling and is like, well, we never go to the East Coast, you know, like kind of like almost like saying the east coast is well okay to be fair she says we never go to the east coast because there's never parking like it's too hard to find parking and stuff so well especially if they had that giant rv like that was the point like they were playing around in that rv yeah yeah so it, it definitely makes it sound like the the more western part of the country is uh, at this time at least more friendly to like rvs and and trailer uh mobile home type living you know so uh i feel like maybe that's the thing because i mean you know we've been to nevada and and um you know it really doesn't look that much different um so i mean i guess i I guess i don't know i guess i didn't it does it does all kind of start to blend together but i also do feel like that's kind of like a, a a story choice as well because you know at, at a certain point, like going through everything she's going through, whether it's because even the job, she does all this like magnitude of like massively different jobs. Um, but inevitably, they do kind of all feel the same. 
in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. And so I feel like, yeah, I feel like maybe that's the thing is that it's just kind of meant as a as a stylized choice to just showcase the the routine nature of no matter where you're going to go you're always going it's going to kind of look the same it's going to kind of feel the same like you're going to still have the same kind of personal problems and things like that regardless of where you're at um so i mean it could it could be that it could be a budgetary thing too because i i I mean again i feel like this is uh an indie movie that probably didn't i don't know the budget or anything like that but i i just it feels like it didn't have like a huge budget um and I still think they did a lot um, with what they what they had. I, I feel like there was a lot of kind of like sunrises. I, I don't feel like they had a lot of sunsets. I think they had some sunrises that they were selling as sunsets, but um, all of them felt more like early morning instead of the Into sun day. setting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially Arizona, because I, and, you know, there are a lot of places that I've traveled where uh, dusk and dawn feel the same. Uh, but Arizona, I would have to agree with you, does feel um, like dawn and dusk are on polar opposite ends of the spectrum visually. Like they, mm-hmm. they just feel completely different. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, in in it does say in the, the trivia for this uh, that if you see the the scene in Quartzsite where it's that they're at the Quartzsite Yacht Club, which is funny because there's no water in Quartzsite, uh, <laughs> that the there are just locals in that scene in the bar. So, uh, any, really, any, yeah. Any any other particular things that you uh, wanted to talk about this this movie? I mean, I kind of want to find that guy that plays the piano because that guy would be. I, I mean, I get why he's in the movie. He's got such like an interesting look to him. Um, but he's singing the song about the people like that were departed or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess you know, um, from a cinematography standpoint, at least, I, 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 I it, it's really intriguing because I feel like. I feel like this has to be shot on digital. And the reason that I say that is because it looks like they didn't really use uh, a lot of lighting units. It feels like they just used available light or, or, I mean, obviously there's, there's some because, you know, she's using like lanterns and there's practical lighting that they're putting into it. But uh, it's, I don't know. It's very intriguing though, because tonality in terms of the light quality and everything it just it really felt like they were just shooting with whatever light was available um the other thing that i thought was interesting is there's a lot of handheld in this movie which again really gives you this kind of um at least for me it really gave me this kind of uncomfortable voyeuristic uh feeling and then there was other times where you know they were doing these landscape shots and and they were shooting locked down and it just kind of really made it feel like they were capturing these these wildlife photography moments of of just this pure uh incredibly beautiful landscape um and then other times you know when she's driving they would be following her with obviously some sort of uh, camera rig mounted to a vehicle i don't i i can't imagine it was a russian arm because i don't think they Again, just based visually off, I don't think they had the budget for it, but it just really gave it this kind of like 
surrealist tone of of her traveling at certain moments and i just I, I don't again i don't i don't even know who the cinematographer was on this but there was just some really interesting choices at, at moments like those and i i don't know i i feel like that's i i feel like that's really good for this particular story because again with you know this raw kind of nature to everything and not using professional actors for the most part um, I just thought that the the cinematic or the cinematography choices like really meshed very well with that, and uh, I was very I, I was just very impressed by that because I, I I just thought it looked unique, um, but just also really fitting to the actual like story itself, and and I I I don't know it was just really kind of I don't know for some reason it just really like stuck with me while i was watching this movie and maybe just because i felt so different watching it than every other movie you know maybe Mm -hmm. that's it but yeah so the cinematographer on this movie is joshua james richards uh she uh chloe Zhao also used him as her cinematographer for the writer uh he's got a lot of other shorts to his name um Mm. there in god's own country was a movie looks like in 2017 that he did uh, a music video for Jay Z in 2017. Uh, he has nothing coming up though, uh, which I find hmm. interesting. Um, I, I yeah. know what you mean mean about the uncomfortableness. Like there was the there was a scene there. There's not a scene, but there's a lot of shots that are very very up close, like with people's faces. And 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 to me, whenever that is, I always feel uncomfortable. Like I don't need extreme close ups of people people's faces in 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 movies. Like. It makes me uncomfortable because I, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm watching it in my living room or whatnot. But it, it just it so close. It does. It doesn't feel right to me. Well, that's interesting because yeah, I mean traditionally there there definitely is a a, a ton of extreme close-ups in this. Um, yeah, I mean it, traditionally you do that because you're really looking to capture the emotion and. It's funny because it, obviously there there is emotion in this, um, but again, it's like what you're saying with a lot of this. There there's times where there are things that should be, I, maybe not should be. That's the wrong word. That you would expect based on like you know cinematic history of as a viewer just watching so many other movies. There's these things that you would kind of expect to be a little pushed or a little bit over the top and they're very very subtle and so i think when it's combined with the those the you know the the lens choice and the framing choices and then the performance um yeah it really does kind of add that very uncomfortable nature to it um ah, what was the name there was another movie uh, a few years ago that came out that did similar stuff that i didn't like um I liked it in this movie more, but, um, oh my gosh, what was the name of that movie? Well, just to also be, uh, I forgot to mention that both, uh, Joshua, uh, Joshua James Richards and Chloe Zhao, uh, made a movie in 2015 called songs. My brother taught me. So just hmm. wanted to put that out there. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, it makes sense. Cause like, again, you know, there's a lot of things here that, that feel kind of like, newer filmmakers you know what mm-hmm, i mean but mm-hmm. like it's also impressive though because based on what you've you've described from their their you know filmographies they're they're both relatively kind of newer uh, in the industry but 
there's also it just feels like it has a strong definitive style and and choices that are made and i think that's um i think that's really kind of incredible for people that are so kind of early on in their uh career you know so let me ask you this that was the name of the movie the favorite the oh oh yeah 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 there's a yeah that also, uh, I did not care for uh, the 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 way that that movie was filmed in a lot of places. Um, I wanted to ask you, what do you think of how Chloe Zhao, Zhao is going to be doing Eternals? Like how going from these very much indie art house films to a big comic book made for Disney movie. Well, um, I mean, I hope she does well. I, of course. I, mean, I think yeah. it's it's fantastic that um, you know she's has her movie nominated for best picture, and and you know she's um, someone who's now at least directed one actor to uh, an Academy Award nomination as well with with the same movie. Uh, there might be more. I, I haven't seen the writer or or uh, songs my brother taught me, so I don't know if she was nominated for any of those. The the thing that does you know, concern me about that is, you know, it, it has to be difficult because, you know, these are smaller, more independent films where you probably have a lot more creative control and you're probably, um, really kind of worked into a routine. And then to go from, from this to working on something for Disney, um, you know, perceptively seems like it would, would kind of be, a lot more stressful, right? Because I would imagine you'd have a lot less control. Uh, I'm guessing, I mean, I don't know, maybe Disney's going to just be like, here's the reins go crazy. But you know, I, I feel like the magnitude of those things on, on one hand is nice. Cause you're like, well, we're not going to necessarily have to worry about budget as much because you know, I'm pretty sure Disney's going to give a, it probably a couple hundred million dollars uh, at minimum for a Marvel movie. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I mean, I, that obviously does alleviate some production woes and production issues. But on the other hand, um, you know, it creates a whole different set of problems that maybe you don't have a lot of experience with because, you know, you haven't been in those situations. And, um, you know, there's people that have kind of gone through that and then their careers uh, haven't ever been the same, you know? And, and I hope that doesn't happen to Chloe because I I was really, you know, impressed with this movie and I I would be very curious to see where her career goes, what other choices, you know, she makes in terms of, of films to, to do. And um, yeah, I I just, I'd be very curious. I'd be very curious to see how it, it's it's going to play out, but I I, I think she's going to do a, a good job, and you know, hopefully Disney will allow her to work in a way that's conducive to her process and and allow the movie to to flourish. I, I hope that's what happens. All right, there you go. Uh, if you have an opinion on this movie and you'd like to talk to me about it, you can find me on Twitter. I am at Mitchipedia GEM. GEM stands for Geekly Media. Richard, where can people find you online? Yeah, so the easiest way is to just go to Rykoen.com, R-I-C-O-W-N.com, and that has uh, kind of links to all of my social media and some of my uh, in-video game virtual photography. 
There you go. Uh, the rest of Geekly Media is at Geekly Media on Instagram, at Geekly Media on Twitter, and Facebook.com forward slash Geekly Media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our website, geeklymedia.com. Uh, if you listen to this as a podcast on a podcatcher, please rate and review us. It helps spread the word of our network. But until next time, this is the Mitch and Rich Show on the Geekly Media Network saying always remember to geek out. Geek out. This concludes our broadcast. Peace.